Stern to Real Talk with Bella. How are you? I'm doing all right. How are you? We're doing great. Uh, staying dry, staying cool, calm and collected in this crazy <laughs> weather we were just briefly talking about. Um, you're coming on uh, to our show today as a guest. You're the subject of an up and coming book called Ripped Apart, Living Mix Misdiagnosed. And I think that this is such an interesting topic to discuss. And I know that you have, um, you know, been through an extensive journey of getting to this place. Uh, let's start there. Can you share with us, um, you know, in a nutshell, a little bit about your story, uh, your husband's journey, your advocacy uh, for the topic of this conversation before we get started? I met my husband when I was 40 years old mm -hmm. and fell in love. Everything was great. He had a pre-existing condition of Crohn's. It had been in remission since 2000. In 2011, after we got married, he started having pains. And I said, we went to the emergency room. And that's where things started going bad and got worse. He, they did testing and the testing were inconclusive. So Instead of doing more testing, they made assumptions, bad work. They assumed it was his Crohn's. So they started treating him for it. When they realized we didn't have insurance, instead of keeping him in the hospital, they sent us home oh with the medication God. that made him worse. The medication that they had him on was prednisone and Toradol, which would be fine if it was Crohn's. It wasn't. The medication, he had an ulcer and the medication they had him on made it preparate. Oh my gosh. Not until after they had done two surgeries on him because he went back into the hospital and things just, it was a snowball effect. Yeah. Things got from bad to worse to worse. And after the first couple of days he was in the hospital, I realized he can't be in there alone. So I ended up living in the hospital with him. And the more I saw the more upset I got and the doctors were on a pedestal. Everyone does that. We put them so high on pedestals thinking they have all the answers. They don't. And I knocked them off their pedestal real quick when I saw what was going on and I started researching everything. And my husband couldn't use his voice. And I've got a big mouth and I wanted to make sure that they all knew it. Yeah. So I got mad. Things progressively got worse. My husband's intestinal organs ended up being on the outside of his body for over three years. Oh my God. He didn't eat or drink anything for over four years. And the doctors started shrugging their shoulders at me, telling me he's going to die and they don't know what to do. Uh, I wasn't going to let him die. I promised him he wasn't going to die until he was ready. And so I fought. And there's so many things out there that could have been avoided. A simple thing such as don't cover it up if you're a doctor. Be honest with a patient. Be honest with a family. If you make a mistake, own up to it. If you did that, my husband would be alive because they could have fixed it so much earlier than they did. And it happens all the time. Women go in knowing there's something wrong with their breast, they get checked. The doctors don't think it's cancer. They still feel 
there's something wrong with them and they don't listen to it. So it's interesting that you um, bring that up. I mean, it's, first of all, I'm so sorry for everything that you had to endure. Your husband, unfortunately, is no longer with us. And, you know, just even knowing that it could have been prevented is like the biggest heartbreaking part of all of this. Uh, but I know I have a family member close to, uh, you know, that was misdiagnosed uh, with inflammatory breast cancer. And she was sent home with antibiotics to treat a potential infection, which six months later was stage four skin cancer and inflammatory breast cancer, which then, you know, emergency surgery, emergency chemo, emergency. And it's like, are you kidding me right now? Um, you know, but one of the biggest things that you, you know, obviously from reading uh, the information that was sent to us about you and doing my own little research, uh, it's your adv advocacy and um, your, you said it yourself, you, you got angry and you spoke up and uh, it's what you're doing now and it, and is what it seems like your goal with this book, uh, you know, partnering with David, the author of the book, um, what is, um, you know, in essence, what you're trying to accomplish with this? I'm trying to get it so people can understand that to be a strong advocate, don't put doctors on pedestals. Fight with the insurance companies. It's your loved one in that bed. You do anything and everything for them because that's the most important thing. If a doctor comes into a room and they're looking at their computer and they're not looking at the patient, throw them out of the room. You have that right. I did. I've thrown more doctors. I had doctors and nurses running from me. I didn't care because it wasn't about them. They're not the most important thing in the room. The patient is. Yeah. And if because of everything my husband endured and all the pain and anguish he went through, I need something positive to come out of it. I want to help people to learn how they can be stronger advocates. So they don't have to deal with what I went through. So they know the signs to look for. And the book shows that different signs. There's always red flags. Yeah. There's always that inner voice, just like, you know, when it was your mother, right? Or uh, my, it's actually my mother-in-law. Mother-in-law. Yeah. Even though she got those tests and she went home, I bet you dollars to donuts that she still knew in her heart there she was knew something, something wrong. was wrong for sure and and her gut was telling her that something else was going on but she trusted the doctor that had been the doctor that everybody goes to that everybody had been to that you know her kids had been to and it was you know um just kind of like that belief and and, and another thing that I wanted to add to that I think it's because the overwhelming fear, right? That there generally is when there is some sort of diagnosis. Uh, I think we're all scared and we're willing to just take, you know, the person who's supposed to know more in the room, right? To take their word over our own, um, you know, because sometimes maybe it's the fear that's making us react in a way. Um, but to your point, I think we all know uh, when there's something more. And yes, we may tend to overreact or, uh, catastrophize it in her head. Uh, I actually just went for a procedure last week where, you know, I showed up to the procedure and in my head, I had cancer. I was going to die. You know, I, I have five, I have five more years to live. Like that's what I had made up 
the story that I had made up in my head. When I got out, you're fine. Clean us a whistle. You're good. Um, you know, uh, go home, right? Um, but I asked questions. I really, I, I, I made sure that um, even the images that I was showing of my uh, of the results, like what does this mean? What is this? What is this part? What is what does that look? Why is this this color? Um, you know, and and then again, I went and did my own research. In the end, I think that you know what you're advocating for is for people to become their own healthcare uh, advocate because we we kind of have to be at this point. It's a shame, especially with COVID and everybody being locked down and not being able to get the proper treatment that you would get before that. It makes it harder, but it also gives us a chance to Google. If you've got something wrong with you, Google can be your best friend. Yeah. You want as much information. Google can also take you, you down to major rabbit holes. I Google so, I mean, <laughs> Google can also be a really bad idea. So for our listeners out there, you know, take it with a great, because yeah. I don't want, I don't want to come back and say, well, at Bella, they told us they to go Google, Google it. Google your all right. Google your you stay off a of whack, you stay off of Wikipedia and, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you don't just look at one site. You all have right. to look at all the sites. Do all the research you can yeah. and learn as much. And learn as much. With that, though, there's also other things that what people really need to understand. I'm not down on doctors. I hold doctors at the utmost respect. Yeah. But I don't put them on pedestals. Yeah. They don't belong up there. Yeah. And they are human beings. And that's what we tend to forget. Yeah. They don't always have the answer. And the ones that think they do, that are pompous, excuse my mouth, um, generally, you want to stay away from them because they're not very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's different, there's different avenues and different signs that you want to look for. It has to do with the insurance companies too. You know, there's a good chance that your mother-in-law did not get those tests because the insurance companies denied it and you don't even know it. Yeah. There's... There's medication out there that you can get, but the insurance and the doctors will give it to you and it'll work. And then the insurance said, oh no, it's too, it costs too much. So you can't have it anymore. Well, six months later, you end up in the hospital with surgeries and it's costing a lot more. And you've been through all the pain and suffering. And I, I say that from experience because that happened to my sister. They, there's, there's so many different things that you want to know and fight. Yeah, We need to take our American healthcare system back and put it where it belongs with the patient. We've been talking about fixing the American healthcare. Our government has been talking about it since I was a kid. It's still broken. Yeah. You know, there's things that we can do. There's, there's a lot of different things. People with pre-existing conditions. If you go into emergency room, they're not allowed to call their primary care physician. Or they're, you know, a cardiologist. They can look on their computer, but if their if their computer is not in sync with other people with mm -hmm. other hospitals, mm -hmm. it's not going to show up. So they're doing all these tests over and over again. If it was in sync throughout the United States, so no matter what hospital you go into, your records show up. The ER doctor is going to be able to look through it, see what's read read it out. Yeah. really important it's going to save time it's going to save money and it's going to save lives 
Yeah. I think the saddest part of all of this is that you are, and I don't mean you per se, I mean, the insurance companies, even the doctors themselves are playing, you know, God with people's lives. And um, it's, there's a lot of layers to this onion, right? Like it's not as cut and dry as, well, I feel sick. Let me go to the doctor and X, you know, I'll get a diagnosis and get fixed. It is the jumping through hoops of insurance companies. And if the event that I didn't have insurance, you know, insurance to cover whatever it is that I have, uh, that I need care for, then what do you do? Uh, it breaks my heart to even have to think about, you know, people who genuinely cannot receive the care that they need because they can't afford it. They don't have the insurance uh, that they need or that their insurance company has simply denied it because it is a money game uh, for a lot of them. And, um, you know, I was, I encountered this situation with my oldest son, probably about a month ago where um, I had made an appointment probably three months prior. And the day of the appointment, I show up and the conversation was, well, we haven't been able to get in touch with your insurance company. So you can't uh, get treated today. And I said, excuse me. Um, There's like, I canceled my entire day. We're here. And I said, and you had three months to verify this. And you're telling me this when I'm walking into my appointment, how is that even possible? Well, we've called your insurance company multiple times and nobody answers. I literally stood in the lobby of the doctor's office, called the insurance company myself. And I said, Lord, they're telling me here that we're not, that my, my son isn't verified. So can you please, and I put it on speakerphone for everyone to hear. And I said, oh my God, that took me what, five minutes, all but five minutes to get there to show you that my son is verified. Yes, ma'am. Thank you very much. And done. End of story. Now, I'm sure they don't want me back as a patient, right? Because I created a a situation, but I, like you do have a mouth on me also, and I will speak up and, uh, and why do we pay for insurance? Right? Like at the end of the day, why do I pay for insurance? It's to get covered. Right? So don't play these games, uh, do your job and, you know, we will all be on our merry way. Um, but it is, it's, it's a fact, it's a broken system. Um, hopefully with the work that you're doing and with um, sharing your husband's story and his journey, uh, more people can really begin to advocate for themselves. I know had I been with my mother-in-law at that doctor's office that day, a completely different conversation probably would have had because if she didn't have the courage to speak up, I would have done it for her. Uh, and that's another thing, you know, and, and rolling people in your inner circle to go to these doctors with you to, um, I think we're so ashamed sometimes, you know, to be sick, right? Like we, it's, we get sick, like we get illnesses uh, through no fault of our own. DNA and genetics are an incredible thing. You know, it will show up eventually uh, in, in, in our body. Hopefully it doesn't, but if it does, how do we get the care that we need? So um, it's really uh, unfortunate that it had to take your your husband's passing to get to a place where you know an advocacy is even needed for something like this but here we are and i really do commend you for that because um it is courageous it's brave uh to have to relive you know this because it's traumatic also i can't imagine having living years of this uh you know fighting with doctors fighting with insurance companies fighting back and forth i can't even imagine it the one thing that's worse than me just living through this is the thought that other people are going through it. 
And I don't want that. And by me doing this, I'm still taking care of Gary. I'm still helping him. Yeah. And there were many times when he was laying in that bed where the doctors would come in and he'd look at me and say, Carol. And I'm like, don't worry, I got it. Yeah. He knew I was going to take care of it. If he didn't like what the doctor said, I was throwing them out. I was making them do what they needed to do. Yeah. And you have that right as a patient. Yeah. And you have that right as an advocate. And I'm hoping that change can happen. There are so many different things that need to be changed with our healthcare system. But it starts with us. We're the ones that really, we've tried to let them fix it. You know, and they've tried. And I'm talking about our government. They've tried. But there's too many hands in the pot. All right. Everything's about the insurance company and the doctors. Well, there's another part of that, which is the most important part, the patient. Yeah. And one thing I do want to make sure that people understand is when you go into a doctor's office, if a doctor is spending 12 minutes or less with you, don't go back. <laughs> they don't care about you. They care about the money. You need a doctor that's going to check you from head to toe and find out everything that's going on in your body. Once you get a doctor like that, stick with them. And they're out there. There are excellent physicians out there. Carrie had some great physicians. They all said you not to mess with me, but <laughs> they respected me for it. Yeah, and yeah. It, I mean, I had nurses come up to me and say, hey, rumor has it you're homeless because you never go home. I said, you can tell all these rumors that I'm home whenever I'm with Gary. Yeah. And that's all that matters. And I think everybody feels that way with their loved ones. Yeah. Nobody yeah. wants to leave, leave them alone. Yeah, and to, it's scary. Hospitals are ran by human beings. Yeah. And there's gonna be mistakes and it's okay. It's okay to make mistakes. It's not okay to cover them up. Yeah. And that's where they need to stop. Yeah. They, that It's really <laughs> unfortunate. Um, and I really do uh, know that, you know, getting your story out there, sharing your husband's uh, story uh, will help many people who may have gone through this, are going through it, uh, and even prevent it from, uh, from happening to others. How can people get in, in contact with you? How can they learn more about the book when it releases when, and, or, or, and get their hands on the book as well? The book is out there now. The book oh, came okay. out June 22nd. Okay. And it's Ripped Apart Living Misdiagnosed, as you said. Mm -hmm. uh, if you hashtag Ripped Apart, all the different things come up. You can get it on Amazon. You can get it through Barnes & Noble. It's in uh, certain Barnes and Noble stores. Uh, Simon & Schuster, if you go on their site, there's links to it. Uh, Skyler's Publishing is the one that uh, published the book. Okay. We have Facebook's page, and I try to get back with as many people. I want to hear the stories. Yeah. And David Black asked me why I really wanted to do this, what I wanted to get out of it. What was the one thing I wanted to get out of it? I want to get a letter. My family member is alive and healthy 
because I listened to what you said. Oh. That's what I want. Yeah. And that would mean everything in the world to me. Yeah. It means somebody didn't have to suffer like Gary's did. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time, Carol. We really yeah, appreciate you. it. Thank you.